You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the show. Tonight we are going to be discussing the CDC moratorium, and I'm going to explain why homeownership is a cult. So stay tuned right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Warning, this show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the program. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here tonight. So excited to be with you. We have uh, quite the show. You thought Rob Cortell yesterday was coming in hot. Wait till you get a load of this episode. So, But this would not be possible if it weren't for our patrons. We want to thank them. First and foremost, our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you all for being Wall Plus members. Thank you to everyone who supports the entire network over on Patreon. Uh, it is uh, greatly appreciated, and you can sign up now at joinwallplus.com. That's W-A-L-plus.com. Uh, and you can get commercial-free shows. You can get, uh, if you're at the $10 level, you can get History of Modern Politics, which you'll get an episode later this week on Friday. You'll get to, to hear a taste of that as we talk about William the Conqueror and the Herring of the North and King Henry the First and... All kinds of cool uh, history stuff. Uh, great new logo for that. Great new logo for the Chris Spangle Show. New logo for the Liberty Explained, the Swamp Explained. Uh, uh, all kinds of uh, new logos flying around the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Thank you to Brendan Goodcuff and PJ Yinger for their work. Uh, Google them. Brendan, uh, Brendan Goodcuff. Goodcuff Designs did the did uh, a lot of the good artwork uh, on the network, and we can't thank him enough. So we definitely want to plug him if you need a logo. Um, but I have, uh, well, I should introduce my co-host for this episode, uh, Reinhold. Harry, Harry was on a trip this weekend, so he is out, uh, but he will be back. I think he's co-hosting, uh, in three weeks. He's hosting the show, but Reinhold is here. Reinhold, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Um, it's a little weird doing this in the evening as opposed to, uh, an early morning type of thing, but. Yeah, I didn't uh, didn't get my homework done on Saturday morning like normal, so I was like, oh, we got to meet on Monday night. So thankfully that allowed us to have the lovely Trisha Stewart-Mann on. Trisha, love the red lipstick. You look great. Thank you. I'm actually wearing my Hannah Cox swag today. Ooh, so, the capitalist the shirt, yeah. Yes, because nice. I am one. <laughs> and uh, I have really lit my Facebook on fire by taking the completely <laughs> normal and rational position that home ownership is a cult. Now, hear me out. Uh, yes, I know you all think you have equity, but the reality is you've all bought a home and you have uh, you, you pay rent to a bank. I pay rent to Edward Rose, a libertarian rental company out of Detroit. 
um, which is why they're so shitty. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you're making pay- bank payments uh, if you own your home. Uh, you're, you're paying, let's say, 3% interest on an investment that's growing 2%, and you're paying $300,000 for that $200,000 house. And you never even touch the principal because you just roll it over into your next mortgage. And, you know, you're buying, you say, oh, yeah, well, you save money because your uh, mortgage payment is $700. But then you have to buy a $4,000 mower, and then you have to replace a roof, and you have to replace all. And so your whole, it's all unpredictable. And really, when you point this out to people, which is perfectly rational and reasonable, they act like you are calling them a child molester. Like, they act like you are unvaccinated. I mean, it's crazy how people talk to you. They treat you like you're not a person if you're a renter. And frankly, I am sick and tired of it. And I'm sticking up for renters because the reality is that renting is okay for some people. I would like to own a home in the next year or so. But in my 20s, when I was making $22,000 at the Libertarian Party of Indiana and couldn't afford that mower, and didn't have time at the Libertarian Party of Indiana to mow my grass. Like, y'all are mowing your grass listening to this podcast while I'm relaxing. I'm making podcasts because I have time. I'm not a slave to the grass, right? <laughs> so you you all, you know, the, the cult of home ownership is stronger than the Ron Paul cult, to be honest. And pointing this out on Facebook today just really pissed everybody off, Tricia. Yes. Well, you know, I want to start off by saying that um, for about 10 years of my life and career, I would say professional career, I did work in property management, mainly residential, a little bit commercial. And I did learn things about renting that um, I didn't know so much as a homeowner. And I have owned three homes, sold and made equity from them. So I'm not, you know... um, an idiot when it comes to home ownership. But there's a lot of things about renting that people don't understand or like there's this idea that renting is somehow stupid and you're not building equity. But renting can be really um, beneficial if you need to move in life. So um, like just addressing like renting, you know, when you own a home, you're you're subject to the market. You're subject to somebody, uh, to the real estate agent, to closing costs to paying into and hoping you have equity in your home if you need to leave it. You are not liquid when you are owning. It, um, it can be very difficult. And so I think a lot of people look down on renters and there's absolutely a place to rent. And um, there is no reason to think that people that rent are throwing their money away because a lot of times they're liquid when people that own homes are not. So it's it's one of those things that's entirely circumstance and how you go into it and what you put into it. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it was an. I knew that when I met somebody that I wanted to marry, I wanted to to decide to do what we're doing now, which is to decide where we want to live and in what home we wanted to live. So it didn't make sense for me to buy a home when I wanted when I valued that mobility, you know. So when I was making money, I was like, yeah, I'll just stick it out here. This is fine for one person. But now that we're, you know, it's me and Reagan and a toddler and. We, we can't live here. You know, she lives right. she lives elsewhere because we're Christians and we're not sinners like the rest of you. Um, <laughs> so we don't live together before marriage. But, you know, there, there, there is a point in renting for some people. And I've just got to tell you, Reinhold, it's offensive to be looked down on in this way. It's offensive to be talked down to by people who have $300,000 in debt and have to spend their weekend updating their house, hopefully if they have, especially to be talked to down by people down to by people like Paul Copeland, who needs foundation repair, who who has sagging floors and a musty <laughs> basement. Like I don't need to be talked down to by someone like Paul Copeland. Okay. Oh, you have equity. Poor Paul. You're not gonna do <laughs> equity is a myth. It's made up, it's fake. And you're going to roll all that debt that you ne- that that principle that you never touched right into the next home. It's like the Hoosier Dome; they never touched the principle <laughs> on the Hoosier Dome when they rolled that into Lucas Oil Stadium. They just paid interest. You people are paying interest. Dave Ramsey is very disappointed in each and every one of you. Uh, uh, Dave, oh, I Ra- I'm sorry, Reinhold Dennis. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I could go off on Dave, <laughs> Dave Ramsey, but I think Dennis needs to speak now because I'm going to be mad. Well, I just. <laughs> 
I want to say that there's there's some things I agree with uh, on what you say because as a homeowner myself, um, I have 40 acres I have to try to maintain, so that takes up a lot of time. As you get so, it's a funny thing is is that you pay into the house with the idea that you're going to own it eventually, that you're not going to have any more payments, you're going to be free and clear of that, and you're going to own the property. But by the time you get there, you're starting to get too old to take care of the place. <laughs> You know, right? It, it's getting to where it, it's a chore for me to go out there and try to mow all that land and take care of it and take care of the house and all the other stuff. Uh, and especially when we have, a, I have other things that have happened, of course. But um, it, it used to be that you owned a car. You went out and you bought a car, right? And then it, it we determined that leasing, on some cases, is it makes much more sense. Right, especially if the value oh, is not going point, up or right or anything out. else. Point that out. The people What's the like, difference? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. own a car. I own a banknote. I've never owned yeah. a car. I, except for Aaron Ewart with his 1986 <laughs> Ford truck that like barely moves. He owns. Hey, that car. we own both our cars. They're paid outright. Yeah, I own. I own you mine own like paid outright. You own like a 2003 but... Mercury Cougar. <laughs> That's yeah. not. I think wrong. I'm a, I'm a 2000 Taurus. <laughs> did I so, did I guess it I right? Get, it's a 2000 Mercury Cougar and a 2004 Honda Odyssey. Congratulations own <laughs> on owning your own property. You live like a king. I mean, just the <laughs> the reality, you know. And then this one guy, Darren, wrote, uh, he goes, I was about to ridicule Chris Spangle, but then, and I'm not joking, the insurance company called about how much it's going to cost to replace our roof. Yeah, well. I'm not saying I'm right about everything, but I'm right about everything. And all of the anti-Fauci people were on these comments sounding a whole lot like Fauci. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Libertarians well, turning funny- into statists, forcing me to get up. Yeah, home. as an insurance agent, I actually quite agree with that guy. Um, well, the funny thing is, is that you don't ever actually own the home anyway. So if, let's say you pay off the banknote. Right. And now you have your home. You're still paying rent. In yep. the United States, yep. you're paying property taxes. You property, don't taxes. property taxes. Nope. You get evicted. You own a so house. They can put a lien on your property. Rent. You mm-hmm. do not own property. You own a house. You own wood that gets blown you away own, and eaten by termites. You, you own you own the right to live there for a, for a period of time until the person who owns it, which is the privilege. government, decides that you don't uh, deserve yeah. to live there anymore. Right. And they imminent domain your house to build an interstate mm-hmm. through your yard or a trans you know, story hour you know, it, playhouse i don't know it's funny i was talking uh, with an ex of mine who happened to be a libertarian and we were saying is there anything you can do in the united states besides being completely into the insane mic. and living in the woods that the government can't find you and we could not think of one reason why they couldn't no. find you there is unless you're insane and you're living off of tree bark in the woods and nobody can find you they'll they'll get you and they'll tax you like there's no way to live without government. It's Look really Look in depressing. front of you. What in front of you is not touched by the government? Okay, I'm looking at the glass that's taxed, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the petroleum that made this microphone screen is taxed. Like, they touch every single thing. And I'm just going to say it, right? Like rising lumber costs, mm-hmm. for instance. It's much like immigration and welfare. The argument that these people make is that you can't have immigration... And be pure on immigration, pure libertarian, and be open borders until you get rid of welfare. You can't truly own your home until you get rid of government. So if you own your own home and pay property taxes, ergo, you're a dirty statist. So I don't want to hear all of this bullshit from impure libertarians telling me that they're part of a cult and they're acting like Tom Cruise thinking that I need to become part of the cult. They're going to save my soul with this $300,000 in debt that they want me to purchase. So, oh, well, in the last year, my home's gone up over $75,000. Okay. Did you sell it? Because otherwise that doesn't mean shit. (laughs) It's like owning Bitcoin. You don't own anything until you sell the Bitcoin. And, oh, by the way, they're going to take taxes on that. Make sure you file that because they're going to be looking for it. Anybody remember 2008? I mean, it's... Oh, I owned a home then and lost so much value. That's like, like... but people oh really think that this that this investment is really going to last forever. So, oh, well, you have no equity because you've given Edward Rose $100,000 since 2007. 
Yeah, but I also don't have a rotting investment that I couldn't take care of. That Yeah, it, and also it, what happens when your job says, can you move to Oregon next year? Guess what right. you do, Chris, as a renter? You just I move. stop your lease and move. Right, I pay a $1,200 <laughs> house. I'm moving out yeah. early so I can move in with my yeah. future wife. Yeah, and I'll and just I mean, move. I'm like logistically, and there are reasons. Like I did make good equity with home ownership. I owned three homes, flipped to them, did, but it was through a lot of hard work and being really discerning. And I have lost some things because of that too. So it wasn't just like, oh well, owning. I rent now on purpose. It, it's on purpose. I worked in the rental field. There's a lot of benefit to renting. Like you can be mobile. You can move. You can get out of your lease. You don't have to lose closing. You don't have to worry about the market. Um, so the people that say that renting is stupid, um, they just think that owning is a blanket statement and a great idea for everybody. It's not. It takes a lot of education and knowing the market to get into owning and thinking you're going to build equity. If you just want to own to own and be able to do whatever you want to do to your house, well, that's okay. But that to me, that's not the end all to to being somewhere. Like I don't need to just be able to paint my walls. I want to make equity. And so that's not always smart owning sometimes renting is smart yeah i mean listen if you didn't pay cash for a house you're renting from a bank mm-hmm. which and it's front-loaded too so it's front-loaded they get all right. their yeah, and you're right less protected than you are from a landlord <clears throat> renters are far more protected legally right hey take care of this thing that we own that you have to pay mm-hmm. rent to the government for oh genius look at me yeah but- <laughs> you're renting from two different people at that point right? right you're renting you're renting from the bank and you're renting to pay for property taxes when you rent a apartment somewhere or rent a house somewhere you're paying one person oh, and I've... they're paying the property taxes and, and that the landlord that they have on invested it in you treating the property well and paying rent they're personally invested in you uh listen you know just because you have a home loan for three hundred thousand dollars of four percent interest on your asset that gains two percent <laughs> in value doesn't mean you have wealth you you dummies name one grandma that ever <laughs> sold name one grandma that ever actually sold her house oh my grandmother bought this house for $25,000 in 1942 and we sold it for 8 million dollars well she died and you sold it for 8 million right and then your aunts and uncles fought over yeah uh, fought over it it's like you people you don't none of you know anything <laughs> you're all idiots well my property i bought it, Go ahead. I was buying it from my grandfather. So we had decided uh, that I would buy the property from him and then let him just live there, you know, while we're working on it and stuff like that. And unfortunately, about a week later, he passed away. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was sort of sold before he died. So we'll see how that, you know, how that fits into that narrative. But um, there was, it was luckily it was in a trust, but there was a whole bunch of, there's some issues around it that took about a year to settle. So. Holy shit, this has, yeah, 100, this has 191 comments three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is your, wait, your property post? Yeah, yeah, one of them. One that of the was, four. And, I, and I didn't even get involved. I just said, I think maybe one comment, but usually I can get a, I can usually bring in 50 or more. The one that by wrote. saying something. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, if you pay to cash for your house, you own a home. The rest of you rent from a bank. The only difference between us, I don't pay for a water heater when it breaks. Open your third eye. 191 Chris, comments. That's the worst. <laughs> are you serious? People are so... And the funny thing is that I'm shitposting. I'm 100% trolling and just like... I just, I think it's a funny concept. Ryan Ripley had a great comment from Agile for Humans. Make sure you check out that podcast. Former uh, co-host here on the network. A $200,000 mortgage at 3% is 843.21 per month. Over 30 years, you actually pay $303,000 to the bank for $200,000 borrowed. Tell me more about equity and not paying rent. Thank you. And well, so, short-term loans, too. Like, Dennis was talking about that in the chat earlier. Like, everybody does this 30-year loan. Like, there's really great rates at 10 years. If you can pay it off in 10 years, it might be worth it. You might make some equity, you know? But that's not common in this culture. Everybody, no, I mean, like, the, the reality draws out is, 30-years loans. So, I think, and, and Vaughn kind of pointed this out, and it's true. Like, people don't realize what trolling is anymore. Because trolling is not being an asshole to people that you disagree with. The point of trolling is to be ridiculous to a point that people can't tell if you're serious or joking. 
But either way, like, it makes people think, it gets a conversation thinking, like, you should be thinking about your housing situation. You shouldn't feel comfortable that you have so much debt that you're barely paying down for a house. And then talking shit to renters, because I know, like, literally one guy said, how will you have any wealth if you don't own a home? And a person that commented back, that rents, that I know for a fact, has more wealth than any person probably on that in their in their almost thirty and they own they have a ton of money because they are frugal, said, Oh, I don't know, would you like to see my four oh one K balance? <laughs> like yeah. you know, like would you like to see my savings account? Because they've yeah. been on the Dave Ramsey plan for years, just stacking money. And they haven't bought a house yet because they've they've just not decided they've been moving around trying to decide like, do we want to live rural? Do we wanna live that's kind of what we're gonna do over the next year. And it got me to thinking, like, this trolling, the shit posting basically started this week because we've been looking for a house to rent. So for the first year, um, we know we don't want to be in an apartment. We don't know if we want to live in the, the country. We don't know if we want to live in, you know, the hoity-toity area or the, you know, the hipster area. Or we know we don't want to live here. Um, but we don't know what kind of, like, vibe we want to go with. Do we want to live downtown? Do we want to live in the country, right? So we're going to rent for the first year. And then see, and then maybe, and then buy a house. Um, and we've been looking for a house for a month now, and we can't find anything. There's nothing. <laughs> like, it is crazy. And so, you know, we, we always talk, like, libertarians are great at kind of sloganeering, and no, oh, it's the inflation, oh, the government is doing this or that. But there's really a great opportunity, as I said at the beginning of this pandemic, to illustrate the destructive policies of the government. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them. Like, if you look at this this chart here that you'll see on the video of a a working-class suburb of Indy called New Whiteland, Um, Reagan has been watching – like, Reagan looks at Zillow every day, all Mm -hmm. day, always sending me links. And so – She's kind of been watching the housing prices at this one house in particular. It's kind of always on the market. And so at the beginning, December 19, the rent for this three-bedroom house in New Whiteland, again, a poor working-class suburb, is 1100 bucks. So then the stimulus, so it's like going up and down. It's jagged. And the stimulus hits in late March of 2020, and then it just becomes a straight line up, trending upwards. And when the st- when the pandemic hits, it's up to about twelve fifty, and then it goes up steadily as currency starts to inflate, basically to uh, around fourteen hundred. And then the moratorium hits, and it takes a steep jump up to fifteen hundred, and then sixteen hundred, and now it's kind of falling back down to fifteen hundred. But you know, we're looking at houses that were renting for $1,200 at the beginning of the pandemic when we were kind of looking the last time that are $1,900 a month now to rent. And every realtor that we talk to about buying says, don't buy. What are you, what are you, you're way going to overpay. Wait for the CDC moratorium to pop. You're going to have a bunch of supply come back onto the market. And then, you know, those people are going to lose their shirts and then you can buy out of somebody else's misery. And it's right 100%, per, 100% totally caused by the government and its reaction to the pandemics. What were you going to say, Reinhold? I said right now the housing market has gone insane because there's houses out where I... So I, I bought my property for a certain amount of money. And there are places with, with you know, an tenth of the land that I have that are selling for five times what I bought that property for. Right. Now... They're not okay. They're listing for that. They're not. They're not everybody's trying selling. to get get their property <laughs> yeah. on the market before right. it sells. They, but Dennis yeah, thinks they're selling their, they five to ten percent above listing right now. That's the thing. Uh, it's not like it's just well, a no, listed price. It's crazy. I've seen some property around here that's was really overpriced. They no, they, they went from they bought the property it was like thirty or forty acres. They bought it for one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they're trying to sell it for one point two million. Right. Now they've dropped their price down to in the eight hundred thousands range, but it's like <laughs> if if I could get that out of my property, I'd do it in a heartbeat and go get an RV and just live out of the RV. All right, you know the heck with that. I'm done. I'll be done with it. You know, and I could retire just off that. It's insane. So 
we're going to dive into the CDC moratorium because this is this is what every realtor that I talk to, they, they say, you know, in the rental market especially, but somewhat in the housing market too, it's playing, it's having an effect. So once we get back from this break, we are going to explain what is the CDC moratorium. We'll be right back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you support our great sponsors. They are all beloved by us, but mostly... Stephen Kent, and right now over on the Rightly Network, we thank them so much, uh, and several people have reached out to advertise on the network lately, and we really appreciate that support and uh, trust, and we look forward to connecting great products and great podcasts like uh, Right Side and the Rightly Network with our listeners like you. So thanks for supporting our advertisers and being patient with advertising, I know, but listen, I got to pay the bills. Uh, so, thank you for uh, not skipping the ads. I know. Yes, probably skip the ads, but please don't. All right. No, uh, don't. <laughs> and then, you know, all right. But uh, so, when when we're talking about the CDC moratorium, we're going to go to, like, I, tri- go ahead, right? Can I, can I first take a guess on what CDC moratorium means? That means that we have a moratorium or a, a stopping of all the decisions from the CDC, right? Their announcements for... Uh, how things are working, right? So we're not going to hear from the CDC again for a while until the moratorium's over, right? Right. We, we Is that what I'm, what we're obviously saying? don't know what the fuck we're doing, so we're just going to stop giving advisements because we're clueless. I vote for Dennis's no, moratorium. moratoriums... Can we vote on that? Right. Because I vote for that. Yeah. <laughs> you can vote, but it's going to be meaningless. <laughs> okay. Um, Trump's CDC... Just like any other voting... It's, it's just no like any other vote, right? Than Bi- Are you like, an what's anarchist the difference now, between Dennis? Biden and oh, I was an anarchist until I kind of went through that and came back out the other side. So, oh, it just no, stop. I hate that. <laughs> it's, hum- it's human nature stuff that I, I, I just, yeah, I can't, well, thanks, I can't get Chris around Spangled. the fact that there's human nature. So, <laughs> all right, so Trisha, what is the what is the CDC rent moratorium? What is this all about? Why is because I'll tell you, in Indianapolis. Rent has gone from twelve hundred to nineteen hundred, but in a county like Brown County, where the CDC rent moratorium doesn't exist, rent hasn't really changed all that much. It's still twelve hundred bucks, and so it's yeah. hard. It, like uh, the the demand's gone up there, right? So the supply's gone there too. But uh, it just shows you the disruption if you go county by county. So what what is this re- CDC rent moratorium that is going on? What I I, I have heard about it, but Tell the people. Well, it's not technically a rent moratorium because rent is still due. Also, I really enjoy Reinhold's breathing. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like MSAMSR. Yeah. Um, so it's an eviction moratorium. Eviction happens when somebody, for non-payment of rent, obviously, having worked in the industry, you can give, give a three-day non-payment um, notice to move out after somebody doesn't pay after the first day. Obviously, a judge has to rule on that and eventually a sheriff will servant eviction so this is not a rent moratorium rent is still due late fees occur what is happening right now is the cdc handed down guidelines that seven states have not enacted which means that you can't evict somebody for non-payment of rent if they fall into certain categories now you can still evict somebody if you know for drug use criminal activity bothersome to their neighbors you can still evict people so what what has happened is most like larger property management companies are scared and they don't know necessarily what the laws are or so they're just kind of like staying over and accruing rental fees for these people and not evicting them. 
Um, but you can still evict people. It's just they, these people had to fall into the CDC guidelines. Now, there's obviously with government, there's no clear direction. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. And so people are getting served with eviction notices still, and then other rental property companies are just accruing late notices. What will happen at the end of this moratorium on eviction, not rent, is that a lot of people are going to have ten to $15,000 of backed rent and fees, and it will be served through court. It will go on their permanent record as a court action. This is not the same as on your credit. It's a court action, yep. so it looks like a bankruptcy, and it will destroy their credit. And they won't be able – maybe there are some people that have tried to pay along the way and the landlord will work with them. They weren't able to evict them. But most landlords don't evict people for being late and trying. They evict people for, like, never paying. Um, so this is just – it's not going to help any landlords and it's not going to help any tenants, really. Yeah, yeah I the, mean, it, it, court, it got – The got court action is 10 years. So It got yeah. put in place in September of late last year. Uh, and it, you know, the laws are different in every state, right? Mm-hmm. The states who are more uh, pro-renter, anti-landlord, LOL, like a New York or a California, right. you have to pay massive amounts of down payments for renting a place because because it's hard to evict somebody there. Oh, it's yeah. almost impossible. They have like triple deposits on California. They have triple deposits in right. New York, and so they go. Mm-hmm. If it's going to take me three months to get you out, if you don't pay, I'm going to take three months rent deposit because I'm not going to lose my shirt because if I can't pay my rent, then you don't have a house and I lose my investment. Here in Indiana, I paid $150 redecorating fee because it's easy to kick somebody out. Like literally, I I got into a dispute with my complex. Uh, They lost my rent check and they wanted another and it was a money order. So I had to pay two times rent in the middle of my divorce. So like they the third of the month they're fi- I think it's the fifteenth of the month they take you to court mm-hmm. and you're probably going to get evicted within the month yeah. you know it, when you don't pay your rent in, in small claims court so uh, it's fairly easy and the rent is is the the, depo- the upfront deposit is almost nothing because you can you can evict someone um, and so Reinhold I know I cut you off what were you going to say well, what about ten years to kick to evict someone? So, so no, if you get a, um, you know, a court or a court uh, settlement or a court decision right. on something like that, where you have, so you have your credit report and you have people reporting that you're late on this bill or you're late on your rent, or you're late on your mortgage, those fall off fairly, you know, like five, six, seven Three years. usually. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you can pay them and wipe them out. Orders like a bankruptcies yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah court orders and stuff like that stay on your record even if you pay them mm-hmm. they're, they're there as a for 10 years before yeah. they roll off and they do they take a it takes a big hit on your um credit report mm-hmm. having and your ability to there, rent so. in the future mm-hmm. so or, so or it's even not just buy a car or something yeah so it's not helping people no. and, and i think i mean let's let's be pro landlord for a minute uh because there's good landlords bad landlords um, what Trisha, you've rented homes, you've mm-hmm. been a property leasing agent, f- you know, you've done this. Like from the from the landlord side, how damaging is it to them when someone doesn't pay their rent? Well, I would say, you know, I am pro landlord and I am a property rights person, obviously by my T-shirt. But I do understand that you know right. tenants um, can sometimes be taken advantage of by like maybe a small horrible landlord that's not been what i've seen um i did work for a really reputable company that was family owned um we worked with people to the best of our ability now the federal government completely tied our hands a lot of times and i saw that progressively as i worked there for 10 years it got so bad that we couldn't give anybody breaks because if you treat somebody differently than another tenant so say a tenant comes to you and says you know i've always paid on time i lost my job can i make a payment plan with you you actually can't do that because of fair housing laws anymore. You have to treat everybody equally. So yeah. you have to evict them the same that way happened. you would evict somebody that never showed up and never paid. So you you can't yeah. you cannot uh like you have to give everything equally consistently to everybody, which means it hurts the people that are actually trying and the t- the landlords that are being good landlords. Yeah, that that happened to Reagan when she just tried she just moved out of her apartment last week. 
And we were trying to figure out, like, okay, could we move in in December? I finished my lease in March. Can we move in in December to do this? Or can she do this? Or can we convert my apartment mm-hmm. to this apartment? Or how, we had all these ideas of ways that we could stay with them for a few extra mm-hmm. months and save us money. And they said, no, because of fair housing laws, we have to treat you. We have to go by corporate policy. We can't make any exceptions. We we legally cannot. Federal federal law prohibits us from doing this. They, they can't. I'm like you're kidding because you didn't. Ha- you they didn't have this when I first moved no. in. This, these are new regulations. It got really bad under Obama. So I am I am certified in fair housing, and it told me like sitting through those seminars and getting certified was probably like I wanted to scream. <laughs> um, so anything that a landlord would do before to try to be fair or better to his tenants, they can't. They have to apply everything equally. And there's things called testers. So legally, the federal government has set up where lawyers can hire people to come out and falsify their identities, provide false ID, and try to test a landlord or a property management company or what have you to see if they're breaking fair housing law. So you could have somebody show up, and it's quite often that attorneys send out these people because obviously they make big money off these settlements, um, to test you to see if you're breaking fair housing laws. So you always have to be aware that somebody's coming in to falsify their identity and test you, and they can find you Uh, find you personally and then find the um, management company so you just cannot break these laws anymore you can't give anybody a break because they're coming to test you in fact there was a time when i worked for i won't say the property management company where i had i knew it was a tester it was obvious to me because they didn't act like a regular prospect and they came in and shut the door behind them and they said do you rent to black people and I knew automatically it was a tester. <laughs> I knew it automatically. Like, and, and number one, I would be offended if somebody said that to me as a prospect because I'll rent to anybody that I can rent. Um, and then they shut. Do you rent to yeah. oh, them? Th- they wink, specifically wink, come wink. and talk about uh, protected classes. Protected classes are age, color, creed, um, you know, all those things. So they try to get catch you. So weird. And these are like lawyers send these people out and they're federally protected. It's really weird. It's one of the weirdest and so they said that to me, and like I knew automatically, so I gave my spiel or whatever. Not that I would ever want to rent to somebody that asked me that question anyway. Um, but it's your hands are so tied as a landlord. I think a lot of people think landlords are evil, but they can't help anybody because if you help one person, you're being accused of discriminating against another person. So it's become such a like this whitewashed kind of weird business where you just have to treat everybody equally and you can't give any help to anybody else. Because the federal government, I've seen, I saw the company that I worked for get fined $500,000 because somebody sued them. And I don't personally feel like the lawsuit was legit, but it happened. And so I think a lot of people view landlords as these vulturous people. And it's just like they're trying to make a buck. And it's not easy to be a landlord. Like, you can lose a lot of money turning over a suite and and losing rent. You know, a lot of landlords, maybe there's some old lady that owns one house. She can still be sued by fair housing. She can still have testers come out and judge her and pay her fine. She has to to go to a class. Like, it's it's a really messed up business. And I think a lot of people don't give landlords um, the leeway that they should. And And the end result of hearing that is like, you know, if you want to get wealthy, you buy real estate, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, so the, the the you you need to buy your house, and then you start renting out your house and move into a better house, and then you move in and you start renting that house out, and you buy rental properties and flip them, and then all of a sudden that you're wealthy. That is exactly the argument given by communists properties. who have never owned anything in their lives. Right. Well, no. And it did so, used why would to you, kind of be that? Maybe, way. Yeah. Why, right. Why would I want to? Why would I want this headache? And so, you know, when we're talking about a housing crisis, and believe me, now that middle class white people like myself cannot find a house, we have a housing crisis. Right. <laughs> the, the media is going to start yeah. talking about this nonstop because. You know, oh, the housing crisis was just in California and for poor people. Well, now it's Midwestern white mm-hmm. people, so let's get the news on this. Um, and so why would I want to buy a rental house? I'll just yeah. keep supply low by not getting involved mm-hmm. in all this headache. Which is what's happening right now, which is why you can't find a house or, or a rental. Yeah, like Harry, Harry has a house. He has two houses. He doesn't want to rent it out of his house. He's like, I'm not dealing with all this. Mm-hmm. He could be making income, but he doesn't want to do mm-hmm. it. Reinhold? 
Oh, I, I, I've known people who were renters of houses. They It was kind of their side hustle is they would had like uh, several, like 20 properties and they were renting those properties. And the horror stories I heard from this, I would never get into that business. Just yeah. uh, uh, e- even farther extreme than you could possibly imagine. It was, it was a, a nightmare. So that's just a lot of that's a lot of stuff you're taking on to try to make a, a little bit extra money and how much is how much is your time mm-hmm. worth how much is your right. head heartache worth the the aggravation going to be um now like i said like 30 years ago 40 years ago uh, buying property was a great investment but today it's it's not the same as it was back then it's not tried and true i remember what was it about 10 years ago everybody was doing the um, the house flipping right before the the house crashes mm-hmm. you know the 2008 crash that was the big thing on TV you see all these different house flipping shows where people would be making money house flipping uh, but that's still a lot of heartache when you're trying to do that because you're on you're on thin margins you're trying to get the house you know fixed up so that you have the equity so that the money you're spending in you know spending a lot more time and labor that you may not see the reward from at the end of it. So it's a crapshoot on that. So you, you, I, there's other ways. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's so bad. I, I go, my uh, brother-in-law is doing a little bit of that where he has a, a property that he's bought. He's trying to sell it, you know, fix it up and sell it, but he enjoys working on houses. He enjoys doing the carpentry and the plumbing and the electrical and stuff like that. And so he's, he's not, it's not like a, a heartache for him to do the work to get paid for it. But that's really all he's doing is he's getting paid to do that work to flip it as opposed to, you know, magically just holding on to it and having money at the end of it. You know, we used to have savings accounts. We can't do savings accounts anymore. We can't do housing for for retirement plans anymore. So what do you have these days? Right. So You're what are all you about to, to turn Reinhold collapsitarian? That's all I'm saying. Well, no, he. No, you just have to find where those are. So yeah. you have to start. Like you, you can't get away with not putting money in a four hundred one k right now. And if your employer is pay is matching, and you're not matching it, you're giving away yep. money. It, it's just uh, you. You have to know where those those avenues are to make the money because the markets are changing. Right, the markets aren't the way they were twenty years ago. You can't. I, just I feel like we hang on it. to like those those notions of like how our grandparents built wealth and that, and we we don't we get stuck in that nostalgia or that thing that we just kind of heard growing up but we never really the and that's why the somewhat facetious opening of the show like you're not building wealth if you rent there's no possible way for you to be a wealthy person if you don't own a home like there's home ownership is the american dream home ownership is like if you question home ownership you are a bad person, right? Like you are challenging the fundamental truths that were taught to you by your grandparents, you know? And so, you know, and one person was like, look at the wealth, the wealth that the homeowners have versus the renters have. And like the person thought he was owning me because the the renters had like $50,000 in wealth and the homeowners had $250,000 in wealth, but the lines were flat and he made my point. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just rolling your debt over into something else. Like, I think we have to be more aware of how to build wealth and in different ways. And I don't necessarily think that that's crypto. I'd love to think that Bitcoin will hit 100,000. You know, so far it's 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 up from where it was when I could have bought it at 1,200. But uh, as more and more people get in, it becomes more and more commoditized. But I think these these economic pressures, guys... Like you're talking about, Reinhold, that that this worked for the boomers. This worked for the greatest generation that amassed all that wealth after 9-11 or after Pearl Harbor or World War II or whichever one I'm trying to think of. Like those avenues aren't rock solid anymore. Those avenues aren't available to us. We're being squeezed by the the government in every area. We're being squeezed by inflation. We're being squeezed by regulations like Trisha was talking about. We're, and so the economic frustration that we have just leads to political destabilization because I can tell you why Joe Biden's a terrible president, but your alternative is Donald Trump is a president. And my brother texted me, he goes, who's the alternative to those two? There isn't anybody. 
It's Kamala Harris or Ted Cruz, oh, it's right? Because what sane person wants to <laughs> say, what sane person wants to step up and take command of uh, of a uh, a failing state? <laughs> Basically, who wants like does Mitch Daniels really want to become president and take the blame for 40, 50 years of bad decisions and the the erosion of our economic situation? Of course not. We're just going to keep getting more and more and more of these bad ideas, Trisha, like this. I mean, what are some other th- – give us some more info on the CDC moratorium. Like, why does the CDC even think that it has the power to do this? Well, that's what's funny. So there are seven states, one of which I live in, Ohio, that have just completely ignored it. That's not to say that, like, property management company and independent landlords have ignored it because a lot of them are just afraid because it's kind of like the IRS where they're like – well, we're not going to tell you exactly what to do, but if you're wrong, we're going to come after you. So, like, preemptively, they're just not evicting people. Um, but there are actual terms to this the eviction moratorium. Like I said, it's not a rent moratorium. So you have to qualify, um, which – so what the CDC has said qualify somebody for the eviction moratorium would be the tenant has used their best efforts to get all available government assistance for rent or housing. So you have to trial the government programs first. The tenant meets all five requirements. So the five requirements, which is really interesting because I don't think any property management company has paid attention. Um, you have to give them a copy, a copy of this form to your landlord, have to prove that you've um, tried all ways to get a job, that you're receiving benefits, um, that – what is the other one? It's, it's insane, like, all the requirements, but nobody's paying attention to them. Um, <laughs> the, you have to declare this – have this declaration form. Anyways, so if you get an eviction assigned to you, you can go back with an attorney and fight back with these five requirements or whatever. But because the CDC is this random government program and not actually a branch of the government, like most um, you know, government agencies, people uh, and landlords and, and management agencies, a lot of people that I've uh, worked for before are just not doing it because they're scared that you know they're going to get in trouble. So everybody's just waiting for this moratorium to end to serve these evictions, which is going to be a whole shit show in October because what's going to happen is all these companies that were scared to serve evictions that were for non-payment of rent and not for other things because obviously you could evict people for criminal activity and that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and you're not going to get the evictions that'll take six months no. if you're lucky <laughs> right. because the courts will be so full of evictions because you're going to have it all backed up from not just the pandemic, but also the moratorium. That's it. It's going to be this clusterfuck. Like, I don't know if you've tried to call the IRS lately, but because of all. <laughs> oh, my God. They're like these feckless <laughs> bitches. Yes. I'm so angry. You're, you're leaving. <laughs> did you see the, the did you see what they left in Afghanistan? Did you see the amount of of things that they left in a, this this uh, image that is going around? That could probably, it's if on... you sold those on the black market, you could probably put every American child through college. <laughs> to be honest, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, it is. We left twenty two thousand Humvees, six hundred and thirty four uh, armored carriers. We left uh, one hundred fifty five mine proof vehicles, uh, one hundred sixty nine. Armored personnel carriers, 42,000 trucks and SUVs, 64,000 machine guns, 33 helicopters, 33 Blackhawks. The Taliban are now number two in the world in those who own Blackhawks after the United States. 43 other MD-530s. We left 8,000 trucks, 162,000 radios, 16,000 night goggles, 358,000 assault rifles, as many guns as there are in the United States. 126,000 pistols. Is that real? Pistols. Wait, back up. Is that this one is, real? Yeah, these are oh, all real geez. numbers. These are from the Government Accounting Office and the and the uh, Special in- Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction put together by the Times and the Sunday Times in London. 176 cannons, four C-130s, 23 uh, planes, 28 Cessnas, 10 other Cessnas. So we left behind... All of that. We left an army. We left an we we equipped. Well, we 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 went in to, fighting guys with AK forty sevens, and we lost by giving them this between army. us and, and Russia. Reality, to be fair, just handed to, them all this stuff and not killed anybody. And these feckless bitches have not paid me two <laughs> years 
of back taxes and two stimulus yeah. checks. I can't get right them there. on the phone. I can't get my money back that paid for all of this bullshit. We had all this there and we still mm-hmm. lost the war. Piece yeah, of shit. Fair, yeah. No, I'm in on, the same boat. Like, I literally left. had to call the IRS today and I got finally got through like where you get to a person and for the third time they said, we're so busy, we can't actually talk to you. Try again tomorrow. I'm like, you know, if I owed your ass money, you'd be showing up at my door and garnishing my paycheck. But you right. owe me money and I can't fucking talk to you. And Joe Biden, I'm telling you right now, it is August 30th as we record this. You have till the first to get me my money, bitch. I'm I'm coming to arrest yeah. you if I don't You're have gonna my garnish, money. You're going to garnish his 270 whatever thousand dollars he makes as a present. You garnish it. I'm just telling you right so, now. So, to be fair, no, no. To be fair, just, fuck you. Pay me. Just yep. One, exactly. One thing. It doesn't um, matter. You know all that equipment think, they left. You know we laughed for a while about what Russia left in Afghanistan. What we left there really trumps what they left. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm, go what ahead. I'm to to what, be fair, Reinhold, fine. To be fair, the 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 procedure for when the military leaves something behind like that, they disable it before they leave. They make sure it's inoperable permanently. Now, I, I believe that they've done that for most of this equipment. That doesn't change the fact that they spent all that money on the equipment and then just left it or just destroyed it. They basically just flushed that money down the down the tank. But the idea that the Taliban now has a bunch of helicopters, I don't – those yeah, helicopters, I'm I imagine, sure they, do not work. I'm sure they won't sell that to the Russians to get the blueprints uh, or to – and they're not crafty enough to, to create their own new weapons. Out of, yeah, I'm sure you're right. All right. So uh, give us a few more final facts about the CDC moratorium. Because, by the way, there's a fund, right? So if you are a landlord and you're hit by this, there is a fund. So they, they there's like 48, mil, 48 million or billion for landlords that was given to the states. Yeah, it actually hasn't was, been distributed. Sent, you're right. In, it was sent to the states in January. Yeah. And as of the recording of this, New York has sent zero dollars to any of those landlords. I think some been funneled to like government agencies as far as i've read but no landlords or no tenants have received relief from this so like everything the tenants that are going to be owed like they're not being they're not able to apply for aid to pay that bill and then the landlords haven't been able to apply for the aid to cover those bills and not charge their tenants so this is just trickle down economics it's it's just trickles down your face you Tell you they're going to give you I, money. I'm never really, really concerned there's going to be a, a housing collapse in October. I mean, we're kind of set up for it. So it's really, I mean, there's got to be something that's coming, yeah. right? Like you can't destabilize the market and mess with the supply this much. Yeah. And not have consequences. Um, I so. can't hear Reinhold. I don't know. I didn't say anything. Okay. I'm just letting you guys go. All right. All right. Say something then. I'm saying something now. Um, I'm getting irritated. I just, I'm, go ahead, (laughs) Reinhold. Calm me down. Tell me why the government's good. Come on. Oh, I'm not saying the government's good. I'm saying what I'm saying is that I hope people are learning lessons from this. I'm an eternal optimist that maybe someday this will kick into people's heads and we shouldn't spend all this money on military stuff that's not helping any, we just leave the money there. We throw the money away. We give the the money to people who don't do what we want to do and don't appreciate anything. And all of this stuff, nobody seems to, to learn. Because then the next time something comes around, oh, here we have a political reason that we want to use that politics to be more patriotic than our, than our uh, opponent. So we start beating our chest and waving our flag, and here we go again. Like, and do the you same remember thing cash over for and over and over again? Do you remember cash yeah. for clunkers in the middle of the remember? housing crisis? Yeah. Yeah. What irritated me about pa- cash really for clunkers? Expensive. They was literally that, did yeah. cash for clunkers, but with houses this time. <laughs> right. They they destroyed the used car. That was the irritating part. Is those used cars could have been used to help very low class people who are having trouble getting a car at all to have a low cost car that they could use to get back and forth to work and try to build some wealth. But nope, they destroyed them because they didn't want them out there because they were gas guzzlers and they were going to destroy the environment. So it's, it's just the, the most, 
it's people trying to solve a problem and not realizing that their solution is a going to even touch the problem or b it's it's not going to cause 20 other different problems that they're now going to have to go fix and if we stop doing that at some point if we stop start saying hey what's what's the real ask here we're trying to fix let's see a better way to fix it let's see if there's a way we can encourage people to fix it on their own then let's go that path but nobody wants that because that doesn't provide you the control to win politically so that you can be in power for whatever reason you want to be in power with. I don't even know no. what the benefit is anymore. People, they, they want us to be afraid so that then we look at them for solutions and then those solutions enrich them. And it keeps us poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just yep. all there is to it. Uh, well, you so, remember the, the collapse, the 2008 I, collapse. I mean, the, the people who caused the stupid thing were the ones that made out like bank afterwards because they were able to get interest, basically money-free loans to build up and buy more equity into the market because they want the market to go back up. So they give those people the ability to buy all this stuff in the market. So they made a lot of money and they're the ones that caused it. And there are the other people who, you know, had a 401k and they're just trying to get some equity because there's no other way to do it nowadays. You can't do it through housing. You can't do it through a uh, savings accounts or any of that stuff, you know, annuities, maybe something like that. All that's tied to the stock market. So they all took a hit. So the only people who came out bad on that were the people who didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And and that's the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So uh, we're going to wrap up. I watched The Looming Tower. I've been uh, just, uh, you know, you really forget how incompetent and lying and awful the the Bush administration was and how out of touch the Clinton. I mean, watch The Looming Tower on Hulu. 9-11 was preventable and like there's one guy in the government basically saying we need to pay attention to Osama bin Laden we need information from the CIA it was John O'Neill John O'Neill was the one guy trying to push all of uh, both administrations to pay attention to Osama bin Laden John O'Neill was the head of security f- uh, for the World Trade Centers on 9-11 because he had been fired because he was pushing too hard and died on 9-11. Like, it just, by the end of that that series, it's so gripping. It's really well done. Um, who's the guy from the new show that you like on HBO, the the preachy one? Uh, Jeff Daniels plays John O'Neill. It's really good. Ali Sufan, we've talked about this show before. Um, but 9-11 was totally preventable. It was the government <laughs> that basically caused 9-11 because they wouldn't share intelligence with each other. And the person who wouldn't share intelligence within the CIA with the FBI didn't go to jail. She didn't. She wasn't held accountable. She was promoted, and she was the one who crafted the torture program in in Iraq. And if you yeah, look in, fix- it, and if you think, oh, this bushy, uh, how terrible are they? The picture of the Bin Laden raid. There's a woman in the back, kind of peeking her face up, a brunette. That's the woman <laughs> that like the, the, the internet sleuths have figured out that that woman is uh, that that particular person. So she's in the in with with Hillary and Barack Obama as they're killing Osama bin Laden in that famous photo. So it's like nobody goes to jail for 9-11. Nobody nobody's held accountable for that. Nobody's held accountable for that foreign policy or the failure to trade information. Those people all got big book deals. Those people were were promoted into the foreign policy establishment. Those are the same people that are lambasting Joe Biden for making the right decision today. You know, nobody, if you watch The Big Short, for instance, I'm not giving you guys books because you're not going to read the books. Maybe you'll watch these TV series and movies. Um, But The Big Short, nobody went to jail for that. We're still doing all of those things. Those are the same people, these same decision makers that are in charge of the pandemic response. Joe Biden. Well, they also same guy. They also did the same thing where they identified that there was a problem with communication between the branches. So they're going to try and streamline that and make it better. And oh, by the way, we're going to codify this into a new department, and we're going to give this department more power. Now this department has all this power um, that we previously didn't give it anybody, and now we've lost all a bunch of rights. And and it, it's the unintended consequences of trying to fix a problem that they don't want to admit the real problem was to begin with. 
Right. It's it, it, sometimes it's them that's the problem. Yeah. And they don't I, want to accept it. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, arguing. I was a little bushy and arguing with my uh, poli sci professor who was a, a Vietnam anti-war activist. And she's like, you know, the same people who did Vietnam are doing this war, too. And I'm like, that's not true. And she goes, just go home and Google these names. Donald Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz, you know, Dick Cheney. I'm like, lo and behold, uh, you know, so it, it is uh, it, it's just disheartening to see how often we keep getting fooled with these bad ideas. You know, libertarians don't. Um, but yeah. So. All right. Well, we got to wrap up. We got to finish up. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Chris Spanger Show. Thank you, Reinhold, for being here. Thank you to Trisha, who just had to bounce. We truly appreciate you listening, and we will see you again tomorrow.